Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the word-giving, insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now, on to today's message. Um, guys, good to have you uh, with us today here at Thrive Church. I'm Kevin, the lead pastor here at Thrive. Um, as Pastor Mark said, you guys are Richmond City Campus. We actually have one church in two locations. So I just came from across the river um, over at our Chesterfield campus. and had an awesome time with those guys today, and I'm delighted to be with you. Uh, you've actually joined us in a series called How to Be Brave. And we're looking at the book of 2 Timothy, verse by verse and chapter by chapter. And so here's why we do that. Like you'll see Thrive, man, we love to go through the books of the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and break it down. Because number one, for me, as the preacher, it keeps a preacher honest. Because many times it's easy to preach Joshua crossing the Jordan, Elisha, and you know, the widow, and all these really, really cool narrative things in the Old Testament, right? Um, what's hard is preaching New Testament instruction. Not fun. And sometimes you're like, oh, really? And so it keeps me honest. But number two, here's what I want for you guys, is that as Christ followers, you're actually digging into the Bible, and you're reading the Word of God, and you're praying. So here's my heart. During this series that all of you will take time to read the Word each week, either before or after, um, and journey with us, because there's questions you have. You're going to read it and say, what does that mean? And my prayer is I can answer it for you, and you go, ah, this makes sense now, and you start reading the Word of God. And so, we were in 2 Timothy 1 last week. Today, we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I often wonder and I wrestle about this one question. Why don't more people pursue purpose with reckless abandon. Why don't more Christ followers pursue purpose with reckless abandon? I want us to, to look at that today. And like I said, we'll be in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Um, if you're a parent in here, or maybe you've even been that child, but as a parent, have you ever told your kid to stop doing something? And then what did they say? They say, oh, say no. Yeah, that's right. They'll say, why? Or tell them to do something. They go, why, right? They're asking why, why? And usually as a parent, what's our response? Because I said so. And does that ever work? No, it does not. Well, maybe for you it does. You need to come train my kid because it doesn't work. But I've actually taken time with my son to sit down with him and actually talk to him about the bigger picture of why this matters. Like, son, you know, we don't hit others because, and I give him, you know, the breakdown of it. We don't do this because. And, I, and maybe he probably doesn't understand all of it, but I'm trying to get him to understand there's a bigger picture. I'm not just telling him to, to refrain from something or stop something just because I want to, you know, kill his joy with doing that. He was slamming his truck down last night loving. I said, bro, you, you got to stop. And he looks at me like, man, here's what's going to happen. You're going to hurt your toe, and you're going to break your truck, and you're going to cry. And I don't want you to be hurt, and I don't want you to break your truck because I love you. And then he stopped. He's like, okay, well, I guess that makes sense. I'll play on the carpet with it. You know, I can throw it there and it won't, it won't hurt. Um, <laughs> but in the, same, in the same vein, let's be honest today, and this is a driving question in humanity too, especially when it comes to the Bible and God and those things. When we read New Testament instructions or the Old Testament, like maybe like the Ten Commandments, we're like, why? Why not, God? Why does this really matter? And we treat God sometimes like my child treats me. And if you have a toddler, they have treated or they treat you. They want to know and we want to know what's the bigger picture that's involved here. 
Why do this? And when we look at 2 Timothy today, we looked at last week, if you get a chance, go online and listen, that Timothy was a young pastor who was pastoring the largest church in the first century called Ephesus. And Ephesus was a totally godless city, man. They worshipped Artemis or something you know, called Diana, whether you're Roman or whether you're um, a Greek. And the whole city was built around this false goddess. So like everything was built around that. It was a godless city. And Timothy is pastoring a church there. His, uh, his mentor Paul, the guy who's writing this letter, is imprisoned for sharing the gospel. And so we see those things happen. And Timothy, as we looked at last week, was ashamed. He was ashamed of the gospel. He's like, man, I don't know. It's kind of weird. You know, Jesus on the way to heaven, all those things. And he was also ashamed of Paul. And so now Paul writes him because Timothy's biggest fear, and you're going to see it here, is suffering for the gospel. That he may actually have to suffer for it. And then why should he refrain from other things? Why should he live differently than everybody else? And I love the fact that Paul deals with this. Now we're going to look at, we're going to look at 26 verses of scripture. So um, one thing you're going to know here about Thrive is we really love the word of God. You'll see the Bible teach here because it's just awesome. Uh, you know, it's God's written book to us. But I want you to look at this today and don't just read it as like mere words. But look at it as Paul. This amazing mentor writing to a protege whom he loves and he's trying to help in that context. I want you to watch this here. He says, Timothy, my dear son, that was his son in the faith, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. That's multiplication, right? If you've been through our path, 101, 201, it's whenever um, you are able to, to pour into people who pour into people. It's when one becomes many. And that's what Paul was saying, man. Multiply the truth that I have shared to you. Now look, now here's the, the crux of it. He says, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And there's three pictures, a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer that he gives here. He says, soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And a hardworking, and hardworking farmer should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. And always remember, that's pretty strong, that Christ, Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach this good news, I am, um, uh, and because I preach this good news, I am suffering and have been chained like a criminal. Paul was in prison for preaching the good news. He was in a Roman prison, and a few months later, he would be beheaded, as we know from history. And he says this here, and he preaches right here. He says, but the word of God cannot be chained. Somebody please say amen there, because I believe that, man. The word of God cannot be chained. So I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those who God has chosen. What if we begin to pray that prayer and say, God, I'll go through whatever it takes if it means people coming to know you. Paul said, put me in a Roman prison, chop my head off, whatever you want to do if it brings more glory to you. I love that. He says, this is a trustworthy saying, if we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him, being Jesus. If we deny him, he will deny us. 
But if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. Our God is faithful. Remind everyone of these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. Let me take a time out for a second. I do want to interject like something for us here. Usually I don't do this. I need to. Um, we often do this and it's by accident. Now for all of us in here, it's probably Facebook or Twitter, right? We're going off on somebody and they're arguing back and forth. I'm as guilty as all y'all in here. I, Maybe none of you do this. Maybe you're holier than me. Um, but I was actually one day, you know, at, at the home we were building, and there's a guy putting in cabinets. And so I was talking to the guy putting in cabinets and, and all those things. I guess eventually he asked what I did. as my pastor. And so every time I would come in, he'd be like, hey, preacher, hey, preacher, you know, all this stuff. And then, like, he was asking about our church. And I said, man, you come worship with us. Oh, no, no, no. I worship on Saturdays. That's, that's the Lord's real day, and you guys just aren't doing it right. I'm thinking, oh, really? 2,000 years of study and scholars and commentaries and all that, and we just somehow got it wrong, right? And I was like, well, this is why we worship on Sundays. This is what, when the New Testament church switched out. I'll give them all the history and all that stuff. But he just wanted to argue, argue, argue. And I just point, there's a point I just stopped arguing. I was like, hey, bro, I don't want to argue with you. And he kept going. I don't want to argue either, but you know those people, right? And I keep walking away from, the, you know, from my own house. And the reason is there was a guy who was putting in electrical work there. And this guy was not a believer. And he was looking over just shaking his head at this guy. And he had to work with him all day. You can actually ruin people listening to you argue about things in the Bible. Is it eternal? Is it everlasting? Was it this or was it that? You know what, man, if you're a Christ follower and they're a Christ follower, agree that you're going to disagree, but agree on the majors, right? Don't ruin this. And so in this church here, that's what they were facing. They had people arguing and false teachers and people going, Paul's like, man, you were, people were getting ruined because of this stuff here. And he tells Timothy this about scripture. He's talking about scripture here. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker. One who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. And that's for all of us that are engaged in social media. Somebody say amen, right? This kind of talk spreads like cancer as in the case of Hymenaeus and Philetus. Have you ever heard anybody named Hymenaeus and Philetus? No, you name them Timothy or Paul, but you don't name them Hymenaeus or Philetus, right? These poor men, these names have been black marked for the rest of history because they're in the word of God. <laughs> Here's what they did. They have left the path of truth, claiming that the resurrection of dead has already occurred. In this way, they have turned some people away from the faith. But God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his. And all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. And this is the key here. I want you to pay attention to this right here. If you can get anything, please get this. He says, in a wealthy home... Some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones for everyday use. It's like your plastic forks and knives, like I have, right? If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. 
And again, I say, don't get involved in foolish or ignorant arguments that only start fights. That must have been a serious issue that Timothy was dealing with. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be, must be kind to everyone, able to teach, and patient with difficult people. That's tough, right? Does anybody have difficult people in their life? Anybody? Okay, only two of you. The rest of y'all, man, y'all need to pray for me. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. You don't holler at them, get mad at them, or argue with them. He says, perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. They will come to their senses and escape the devil's trap for they have been held captive to do whatever he wants. You see Paul encouraging this young pastor here. And he's letting them know, look man, God has a higher calling for you. God has plans for you, Timothy. God wants you to be a special utensil for the master's use. And so he gives him some things to do. He says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust, but pursue righteous living. In other words, here today, here's what it means for us. You ready? Here's today's big idea. How do you take a 2,000-year-old letter and make it for today? It's this. If you can be set apart from, then God can set you apart too. Why do many people not pursue purpose for reckless abandon? I'm going to answer that question today. But the key is this. If you want to be used by God, you've got to be set apart from and set apart to. Because here's what happens. We look at the Bible, right? Like the 613 Old Testament commands. Like, ugh. And then the Ten Commandments. Ugh. The New Testament instructions. Don't, don't, don't. And we are like that little child. God, why? Why shouldn't we do that? Why, why do we have to do this? And we're like, Why? The cool thing about the Bible, God never says because I said so. He explains to you why. He shows you, just like I was telling you about my son, the bigger picture and the bigger perspective. And to Timothy, he says, hey man, here's why. God has a calling for you that's higher than what you can see. The question is, do you want to be used by God? If you're set apart from, then God can set you apart too. Why would God, first of all, give Israel 613 commands? Have you ever tried to read Leviticus and Deuteronomy? Right? You're like, like most people start in Genesis and they can sometimes make through Genesis stories and Genesis and cool stuff. Then you get like Leviticus, you're like, oh, you just lost me, bro. Like this is, don't bull a baby in its mother's milk. I mean, a baby goat in its mother's milk. This is weird. Don't wear two clothes. I mean, this is, don't, don't, you know, grow the hairs. You're like, okay, you lost me. If you read Leviticus, here's what happened there. God was giving them 613 commands because when they left Egypt, they had no governance. They were slaves. They had never known how to govern themselves. What do we do with waste? What do we do with people who are sick? What do we do with people who do, I don't know what to do. And so God gives Moses all this. And here's why. God gave Israel promise, you're going to be the most powerful, prosperous nation in the world if you live by these commands. The commands weren't to harm them. The commands weren't to be a killjoyed God. The commands weren't to take away happiness. Listen to me. The commands were to help them be the prosperous, joyful, most powerful nation in all the world. Do you see what I'm saying there? He just didn't say, do this because I said do it. He said, do this because there's a bigger picture in your life. The Ten Commandments, think about it. He says, you should have no other gods before me. And you're like, oh, well, I can't worship other gods. I mean, of course, we're probably, okay, I, I can do that. Because he wants you to enjoy the richest, most prosperous, beautiful relationship with him that you could ever enjoy. He says, don't covet your neighbor's wife. Well, why not? Do what I want to my body. Because I want you to have the richest, most beautiful relationship with your wife you could ever have. 
Why shouldn't I steal or kill or those things? Because I want you to have the most richest, prosperous relationship with humankind that you can have. You see what I'm saying there? It's always the higher yes. It's never don't do it because I said so. There's always the bigger picture. There's always the greater purpose that God has for us. And if you just look at these things as do's and don'ts, you're like, why? You know, God wants me happy. Here's the thing about that. The Bible never says that. The Bible never says God just wants me happy. God says he wants you holy. Why? That's boring, man. It's like 1833, y'all. Come on. You know, we work shirts down to here and long dresses and hairs in bum. I mean, what is, come on. What is this? Here, here, here's why God wants you holy. Because when you're set apart to him and for him and from other things, you are the happiest and the most joyous you will ever be in your life because God created you that way. And he wants you to experience purpose. He wants you to be joyful. He wants you to experience true happiness. But it's only when you're set apart from that you can be set apart to. Like for me in my personal journey, and hopefully this will make some sense here, is that, you know, as you guys know, I've been really trying, like, man, to lose weight. That's been my big thing. You know, it's been hard for me. I am the kid. I, I love carbs. Me and carbs have had this love relationship, right? Like, that is my mistress is carbs. And so, and my wife and I, we just love food. We're foodies. You never restaurant in Richmond, man. We, we've eaten. We can tell you every, every good restaurant. And I never understood the whole thing of weight loss. I wasn't doing dieting because dieting just, that's, oh, man. And one day my wife comes back to the doctor and explains to me about sugars and carbs and about protein. And it made sense. Because I love carbs and sugar. They make me happy. And they do because they release chemicals in your brain. Like, oh, it feels so good, right? You would never know that. That's what carbs do. And so I was like, well, well I mean, because I had this vision to lose weight. I wanted to be here, but I was loving this thing over there. And she says, well, if you will stop eating carbs and you eat a lot of protein, because that's what, you know, your brain's made of protein, your body is, and you eat a lot of protein, you cut back carbs, you can have the vision of losing weight. And I'm like, I can do that. And so I began to cut back and be set apart from carbs and sugars and set apart to protein and exercise. And guess what happened? It worked. Like, whoa, this is cool. And now I see that. Now, now, now let's bring this home to your spiritual level. I'm not talking about weight loss. Don't, don't, don't get mad at me. Talking about money and weight loss. Everybody gets mad. So <laughs> here's the thing. In our spiritual life, we have carbs and sugars that we're in love with. I, I don't know what that is for you. That it just makes you happy, it makes you feel good, but it's ruining you. And God's saying, man, if you'll separate from carbs and sugars, I got, I got a vision for your life. And may, it may take pursuing some protein, which you don't like right now, which now I love, love some protein. But he says, but if you'll do that, I have something great from you. But if you'll be set apart from the things that are harmful, from the things that I'm saying, and be set apart to me, there's a bigger picture for your life. I mean, think about it in the Bible. You have Daniel, right? Remember Daniel Lion's Den. We all learned about that in VBS somewhere. And Daniel went into Babylon. Babylon was like a godless nation. Total godless nation. They exiled Israel. This is history. So if you don't believe the Bible, it's history, guys. They exiled Israel and brought them into Babylon. Boom. Jerusalem's desolate. Israel's desolate. They're all living there. Daniel goes in. And he says, I'm not going to listen to what you're telling me to do. I'm going to eat what God told me to eat from the 613 commands because that will make us prosperous. And that's what God told us to do so we can be the most powerful nation. I'm not going to bow down to your gods because I want a rich relationship with my God. I'm going to honor him. And you know what happens? He didn't do what culture said do. He began to have influence with the most powerful nation in the world at that time, which is Babylon. Daniel changed a nation because he was willing to be set apart from. 
He said, I, I can't do that. I, I know culture's doing that. I can't because God has a plan for me. God has a future for me. God wants to you. Do you see what I'm saying there? And God gave him influence. When you're set apart from, then God can set you apart too. I mean, it's one of those things in life, and this is how it ties in, it's vision. If you ever meet somebody who they'll drink anything, they'll smoke anything, they'll, they'll do any drugs, it's like I used to be, man, they'll watch anything, they'll sleep with anybody, and you're wondering, why are they doing that? Here's why. They have no vision for their life. Children who can develop a clear vision of who they want to be, all right, and what they want to pursue as a career, the earlier they can grab those things, the clearer it helps, the more it helps them. You know why? Because vision creates restraint. Proverbs 29, 29, 18 says this, without a vision, people cast off restraint. What does that mean? Here's what it means. When you have a vision for who you want to be or what you want to do, it causes you to say no to everything else. It causes you to be set apart. The reason I can say no to carbs, who I dearly love, and carbs, I love y'all. The reason I can do that, because I have a vision for something in the future. You see what I'm saying? When you have a vision of what type of husband or father or friend or, or what you want to do for a career, you can say no to things. You can say, no, I've got to study because I have a vision to become this or a vision to do that. But when there's no vision, anything goes. I'll do anything. I'll do what I want to do, how I want to do it. But when you know who you want to be, what type of Christ follower you want to be, what type of husband, mother, father, whatever it is, friend, you can say no. Because when you see what should be and what could be, then you can say no to things. Without vision, people cast off restraint. So if you're saying, well, man, it's hard to be set apart from these things. There's things in my life that I love and it's hard and I'm addicted to. But when you begin to see vision that God has created you for more and God has created you for something greater than what you could imagine, you can say no to those things. But me just saying stop, 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 stop. You're like, why? This is dumb. Christianity is dumb. But when you know the bigger calling, God's trying to restrain you so you can go that route. I mean, when it comes to me being a father, I want to spend quality time with my son. And I'm going to tell you something. You call me or text me or Facebook me on the day with my son, you will not get an answer. Because I never want him to ever think that I choose church and ministry over him. Because most pastor kids had to watch their, their dad sacrifice their family on the altar of ministry. And so never, I, listen, I, I don't care what's going on. My son comes first. Because I want him to know that I love him more than anything else in this life and in this world. Amen. That causes me to say no. My wife, when I'm on a date night with her. Yeah, my phone is, I don't get any notifications anyway. I stopped that a few, no, not, none. If a text message comes up, I can't, I don't even know. If it, it could be ringing now, never know. I always call people back because I don't get any notifications. If I'm on a date night with my wife, I ain't answering text messages or emails or phone. Why? Why would you do that? Because I have a vision of what type of husband I want to be. Like my whole vision for, for me being a husband is this. I, I want my wife to realize she could never have it better than she's got it with me. <laughs> Because if your spouse ever looks over and think, man, I could have done better, husbands step up, right? That's the vision I have. So it causes me to restrain. Does that make sense to you now? I can say no and be set apart from things to be set apart to what I want to do because I have a vision for what God has cast for my life. And so Paul does this for Timothy. He doesn't say, Timothy, you're a pastor. Just be pure and say no because I said so. 
Now, Paul says, man, when you look at homes in the first century, they had these special utensils. Some of them are made of gold and silver, and they're used for these special occasions. And then you have wood and clay and things that are made for normal. He says, if you want to be used by God for special use, run, flee, and then pursue. Flee the things that would harm you. Flee those, whatever it is in your life that are quote unquote, flee pornography. Uh, flee the things that are hurting you. Flee the, the, the unforgiveness. Flee the bitterness. Flee the hatred. Flee the anger and pursue God. He tells them what to do. And I want you to, I want to read this to you before we go into our points real quick. He says this. He says, if you keep yourself pure, ugh, that, ugh, that word, right? So, not today. You will be a, a special utensil, utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Why don't more people pursue purpose with reckless abandon? Why don't they? Because here's the question. That's the wrong question, right? Here's the right one. Do you want to be used by God in special ways for his kingdom? And you're going to answer either yes or no. If you say, well, I'm just here at church, man. Come on, somebody brought me here. I'm just checking it out. I'm not really looking to be used by God for anything. I just got to see what's going on. But if you say, yes, God, that's me. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. And you say, I want to be used from that. Then Paul gives you two things you've got to do. First thing is this. Flee from the things that hinder. Write this in your notes. Flee from the things that hinder. Paul words it to Timothy, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. So what are those things? What are the things that hinder you? Here's the cool thing about the Holy Spirit. Every one of us in here struggle with something differently. If you're glancing over and judging somebody else for what they're doing with, God's looking at you like, yeah, let's pull your, your list of stuff out. We all struggle, right? There's every, every one of us today, like, so, so what's the things that hinder? What are things that keep you locked into cycles in your life? Where you keep going on the same mountain over and over? What are the things in your life you know that are slowing you down for God to use you? I, I mean, I know for me, as I, as I look this week and I begin to, to look at my life, I know that some of it was like unforgiveness and bitterness. That I was just really holding on to things that just keep coming up. There are things in my life I want to get better at and I need to get quote unquote more pure at. There's things that I need to get out of my life and remove from my life. And God's been speaking to me this week. I've been preaching this thing all week to myself. Y'all, you only got to hear it once. <laughs> so flee. See, see, here's the key. What you're willing to walk away from determines what God can bring to you. What you're willing to say no to is what God can give you yes to. Uh, in my life, and I didn't share this at Chesterfield, but I remember one of the crowning points. I became a follower of Jesus and about four months later I was in a band touring and these guys were not Christ followers. They, they, they had the name Christian band. That's why I don't go see Christian bands play because I know most of them. And, um, and they were just living godless lives. Totally godless. And I got back from that tour and I felt the Lord saying, you got to quit that band. I was like, man, but they tour. And we get play, like, play with grits. Am I no Christian rap? That grits is awesome, right? Like, we play with grits. Best Christian rap ever. So, like, we got to play with them. Yeah, somebody knows what I'm talking about. The rest of y'all, man, you need to get out of 19, 1994, man. <laughs> so, like, so, like, I was like, but God, why? He says, if, and, and the, same, the same thing, if you'll walk away from it, I can bring something to you. What? And I had this idea of this little band, and I just, you know, I was trying to play guitar and sing, and we were terrible. And I was like, that can't be it, because we're terrible. This band's touring. And I went to my, my, my prayer closet that day, 
and I, I kneeled before the Lord. I remember the Lord laying that out of my heart. And I called that guy up and said, I'm quitting the band. And I left that. And can I tell you, that band within three or four months dissipated. The little crappy band, excuse my language that we had, it was. I don't know how to explain it. We were not good. God empowered us. God used us. We went on several tours for four years. We're at the Gospel Music Awards. We were able to go and meet some of the biggest bands there. We got to experience. But I'll never forget when God said, if you, God, why? Because I have something greater. See, what you're willing to walk away from determines what God can bring to you. And I don't know what that thing is today that you've got to walk away from. I don't know if it's something personal and private that nobody else knows about. But God is speaking to every one of us on different, different uh, levels. I love what Craig Rochelle said, man. This is one of the best quotes I heard about fleeing things that hinder. He said in his life... He has so many guardrails set up on his phone, his computer. He never travels alone. Like all these things. You're like, wow, that's really. And people say, wow, Craig, you're really weak. He says, no, 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 no. He says, I'm very weak. And that's why I do it. He says, I'm also very smart. He says, it's better to eliminate temptation than ever having to deal with it. Flee the things that hinder. So I told my wife, I said, man, stop bringing that cookie dough ice cream home, man. I mean, y'all love it, man. I've never loved ice cream. And like, since I lost weight, I love, I like cookie, the cookie, like the cookies, you know, in there. I can eat all those cookies out of there. Stop doing it. It's better not to have that in front of me. So here's the second thing. Flee the things that hinder. And then number two is pursue the things of the kingdom. Be set apart from and set apart to. Number two is pursue the things of the kingdom. And here's what Paul says to Timothy. He says, instead, pursue righteous living faithfulness, love, and peace. Here's the thing, y'all. If you just stop doing stuff, but you don't pursue the higher calling, you'll go right back to it again. It's, the, the message of Christianity is not stop, 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 stop. The true message is pursue, 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 pursue. And as you begin to pursue God, you begin to get rid of other things. The more your affections are stirred for your Creator, the more you get rid of things and the more you pursue things. Pursue the kingdom. You know the question I was asking, what is my purpose? You never ask that. Don't ever ask that question. You'll never find purpose by trying to pursue purpose. You'll find purpose by pursuing Jesus. And in Jesus, if you're a Christ follower, is purpose. When you begin, amen, to pursue him and get leaned into him and say, God, I want everything that you are and I love you, Jesus, and I want all that you are, then God can release purpose. But we're in this thing of trying to find purpose apart from Jesus. Flee the things that hinder and pursue the things of the kingdom. Jesus said, if you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. Seeking God running after God. And that's how we find what God has for us is when we begin to pursue the things of the kingdom. When you're set apart from, you can be set apart to. And people ask me all the time, hey man, will you talk to little Billy who was addicted to drugs and, and he's, he's an addict, and he's this and that, and, and what should he do? And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't have an answer for little Billy. I'm going to tell you why. Sometimes I'll, I'll let Mark, you know, some, some guys who actually dealt with addiction in a different level. I was, I was a pleasure seeker. I was like, man, whatever you put in front of me, I'm going to do it. Cocaine, marijuana, weed, mushrooms, whatever. Well, I just do it. And that's what I was. And it got me into a lot of trouble. But when I gave my life to Jesus, it was flee and pursue. I literally left everything. 
we had a youth bonfire for our youth ministry and you know how the youth groups try to be cute and stuff you know so like you know, like, like these kids were bringing little things they were throwing out like the you know maybe the, the little necklace from their ex-girlfriend that they were you know a little teenage love and everything and everybody's bringing something and I grew up in my car and I was unloading box after box after box and youth pastor hey man what do you use, what's going on this is, a, this is a youth bonfire I was like I know it is I've got Guitar World magazines because I was totally like just swept away by music I had my PlayStation <laughs> yeah and for me at that time, I had to do that. Now, I have a PlayStation 4 now. It doesn't bother me. I may play once every three or four months. But I was consumed by that stuff. I was consumed with so much. I had CDs, man. And I listened to some of the worst music you could listen to. I had all these boxes and the kids were begging me, don't throw all that away. Don't burn it. I said, I have to. I burned all that stuff that I had in that bonfire that night. I know we're breaking some type of law because all the wires and copper and stuff that are burning there, right? And so like, I burned all that stuff away. And I want to tell you something, I was at the church every time the doors were open. I didn't need the pastor talking about small groups all the time. I was looking to see what, when were the doors? People thought I was a janitor. I was there so much. <laughs> Women's Bible study going on. I'm sitting outside in a chair listening and taking notes, man. I just need to learn. I mean, I, mean, like, I was just, I was pursuing Jesus all that I I fled and I pursued. And here's the thing about maturity. You never get rid of that. See, see, some of us look and say, oh, that's so cool, man. You must be mature in Christ now. Yeah, that was good. I did that one time too. But here's the thing about maturity. You never stop that. See, when you first get saved, you get rid of all the things that you don't like that makes you look bad. Smoking, drinking, cussing, chewing, and running with those that do, right? All the things everybody else can look at. Some people think, I'm holy. I don't, I don't do anything wrong. You're prideful, as I said before. So, so here's what happens. After you get saved and you, and you start getting all the things that you don't like, but as you mature in Jesus, the things you have to flee are the things that he doesn't like. Pride, envy, jealousy, hatred, discord, divisiveness. I mean, all that stuff. It's things of the soul and of the, uh, of the emotional level. You may say, well, I don't really do anything wrong. I don't, this message doesn't apply to me. I'm, I'm 65 years old. I'm 75 years old. I'm good. We're always fleeing and pursuing because that's maturity. Everybody has a next step. That's one of our values. And so today I want you to think about where is it in your life that you need to be set apart from so God can set you apart too. I never in my life thought that I'd be on a stage doing something like this. I don't know where God's purposes will carry me. I don't know what I'll be doing in my life. I may be in a tent somewhere in a, in a teepee in Africa doing mission. I don't know where I'll be. I know one thing I'm fleeing and pursuing though. And I'm constantly pursuing Jesus. See, if you'll be set apart from, God can set you apart too. So why don't more people pursue purpose with reckless abandon? You know why? They're unwilling to let go of it. They're unwilling. When you let go of what's in your hand, God will let go of what's in his hand. And I'm not sure what that is in your life. But here's the awesome thing the Holy Spirit does. And he's going to speak to your heart. And you're going to, man, this week you and, and the Lord are going to have one of the best weeks you've ever had because you're going to feel him pressing on you a little bit saying, man, set it aside. Set it aside. Set it aside because I have something better for you. And I don't know. This message isn't for everybody in here. Some of y'all just come to church to hang out. But somebody in here today said, man, God's going to speak to my heart and do something awesome. Let's pray today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that we get to read a 2,000-year-old letter inspired by the Holy Spirit to encourage us, Lord, that, God, you're not a killjoy, God. You want us to have the greatest joy. You want us to pursue you and find peace and happiness, but, God, it's only when we're set apart for your kingdom. Father, today, I don't know 
what everybody's dealing with, but you do. And Holy Spirit, you are able to speak to every heart in here in its own special way. Father, we want to be used for your purposes and for your use. So God, today we pause and we say, God, we say in here, show us and empower us to be brave, to flee. Help us be brave to flee the things that hinder and give us the bravery and courage to pursue you and the things of your kingdom, God. Today we give our heart to you, Lord. We surrender everything to you. Reveal to us. And we look forward to being used for your kingdom, God, even when we don't realize we're being used in amazing ways. As we're praying here today, church, we're having a sacred moment before the Lord. Maybe today is the day that you want to give your life to Jesus. Maybe today is the day that you know that you came to church to make that decision. If you want to give your life to Jesus today and you say, Kevin, I want that fresh start. Man, I heard your story. I want to experience that today. I'm going to ask you to do something simple between me, you, and God. When I ask you, you're going to slip your hand up and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. So every head bowed, every eye closed, man, and everybody's having a time with God. If you want to make that decision today between me, you, and God, you say, Kevin, that's me on the count of three. Just shoot your hand up high and we're going to pray together.